asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing why ownership is the key to wealth building. This actually kind of takes me back to my skating rink days where uh, if you showed up with your own skates, your own quads, or even better, if you showed up with your own inline skates, (laughs) (laughs) you were super cool. So we're not talking about ownership, whether you show up with your own skates or do you rent the the skates that are already there, the nasty brown ones. But we're talking about what we do with our money when it comes to investing primarily. But we're dedicating an entire episode to changing the way you think about how you spend your money money, what we spend our money on. And we're going to essentially, we're going to try to introduce you to this paradigm shift that we hope changes the way that you view all of your expenses moving forward. Yeah. Those roller skating days, man, those were your salad days too. <laughs> uh, you, it's only been downhill since then. So wait, when you say salad days, I always hear salad days and like, I always think like young and immature. Not, <laughs> not, they're not like 
the golden days, right? Like, oh. is that how that's how you're I using I was it? Just thinking they were your best years, yeah, best no? years. I always hear salad days, and I think like you're green and you're immature. Like, like you've got a lot of years of growth ahead of you. Oh, okay, all right, that makes sense. That makes. More I don't sense. know. I, I think you can use it the way you're using it as well. Kind of like the pinnacle, like oh, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that was for you, right? Just like I, taking your inline skates out there on the on the roller. Oh, I didn't have the them. I was, oh, you didn't? Oh no, no. Are you kidding? I was uh like I didn't even splurge on the speed skates. You know, you could like upgrade and get the uh, the instead of the brown crappy leather skates you could upgrade and get the black ones and those had i don't know like extra, better wheels extra fast ball bearings and so those jokers would haul <laughs> like for real but i didn't need that man i just throw those standard skates on my feet and i'll just like keep skating until i had you know like 20 blisters on each foot <laughs> on each foot you could wear like two pairs always, of socks to always right? i had yeah. so many blisters from skating on a on a friday after school yeah well before we get into talking about why ownership is such an important concept and, and i agree matt it is paradigm shifting i just want to quickly mention my, my sister uh, and brother-in-law they just bought a scooter to zip around town. Well, they in. actually did. You, yeah. You're talking about the, uh, that they were considering it. And I feel like scooter, you have to actually define it now. There's so many different variations of scooters. Like a, not a bird scooter. No, not yeah. one of those. Not one of those. But one of the, well, the ones you actually like sit on. Like they can get two people on their scooter. Uh, <laughs> and <it's, laughs> Like Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's gas powered and it's 49 cc's, I think. And okay. I just wanted to mention that this was something, they, they had gone down to becoming a one car family, but they were like, you know what? We kind of feel the need for some other mode of transportation that isn't a bike uh, because Ooh. yeah I know they I know. should have uh, I mean they've got bikes I see them riding around in the neighborhood yeah, actually they, they look do. close to us but they they wanted something else and I will say that a, a scooter like that is a perfect in between vehicle yeah. for a lot of people and one of the great things about these scooters one they're not very expensive yeah they're not very expensive to maintain either uh, if you get the right one by the way because you can get some really crummy ones you can cheap out on, on buying a scooter and oftentimes those don't last long at all right uh, but yeah, they, they opted for something decent. And so I just wanted to mention that sometimes, you know, one of these nicer scooters, it doesn't cost a whole lot of money uh, and it's really not that expensive to run and maintain. And it could be a better decision than having a second car or, you know, even a third car in the case of some families. This might help you get some of those trips in without needing to hop in the car. I'm just going to wait on the day that Evan pulls up in front of our, our house and just calls over. He's like, I get 70 miles per gallon on this hog. <laughs> <laughs> there are actually two guys who, have you, have you seen this story going around the internet? There's these two guys who did that trip. Uh, the Dumb and Dumber trip? The Dumb and Dumber trip, uh, you know, up through Colorado or whatever, like to Aspen. <laughs> Aspen. <laughs> yeah, that happened, uh, I guess, a couple months ago, but maybe we'll link to it in the show notes. Okay. It's pretty yeah. funny. I want to read that I, now. They like dressed up like him as well. <laughs> <laughs> in the two tuxedos, the orange and the powder No, no, no. Blue? Like okay. they had on like... Like, I feel like a members only style jacket. Can you okay. pick, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it, but still a classic. <laughs> it's still burned into my memory of how fantastic it was. Yeah, yeah, it's for classic. sure. Uh, all right, Matt, well, let's move on. Let's mention the beer that we're having on the show today. This one is called Money Blend by American Solera. And this What's is uh, a perfect name Money for Blend. a beer. Exactly. Sent to us by a listener, by the way. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Listener James uh, sent this one our way. So, James, big thanks uh, to you. Looking forward to having this one, and we'll, we'll give our thoughts on this beer at the end of the episode. Yeah. What a perfect beer for how to money. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's move on, Matt. Let's talk about why ownership is the key to wealth building. And we put the in all caps because we believe ownership is this crucial, essential building block of being able to grow your money over yeah, time. And right? It's often overlooked as well because there are other practices that people tend to employ when they're looking to, you know, save up some more money. Right. Yeah. Uh, investing doesn't come as natural to us as some other practices. Yeah. And I still I still remember you know becoming a dad for the first time, Matt. Uh, and it was like this immediate game changer for me. Somehow, in one moment, uh, by just by holding my brand new baby girl, I was able to quickly see so many of the ways in which my life was kind of currently revolving all around me. <laughs> and like even even though I'd been married for a few years, and I'd been able to see some of those aspects, you know, during during those first years of marriage, becoming a dad really cemented that for me. And it was like a game changer in you know what it looks like to serve other people and actually to shed some of that selfishness that I yeah. really come accustomed to. Uh, and yeah, it also helped me see my parents in a new light instantaneously too. Like I, I was able to see maybe their parenting mistakes differently as I started to make similar mistakes in parenting myself. And yeah, we, we don't really get many of those paradigm shifting experiences in our lives, right? Where just in an instant, we see everything with clarity, but uh, you even look differently because I, <laughs> I was there or, you know, Kate and I showed up the next day. I had like a glow to... about me or something. Is that, is that it? <laughs> I think it was just the adrenaline for, from having labored with Emily for, <laughs> for hours and yeah, hours yeah. or whatever. But... Almost a day, right? Yeah. But yeah. Those I, are the salad days. No, those are the salad days. <laughs> but yeah, I think you and I, we believe that understanding the necessity of ownership and the long-term benefits that ownership provides can provide like a similar epiphany for people yeah. that are producing financial independence. Just thinking about the way we invest and realizing the power of ownership is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to put it bluntly, you know, if you want to stay poor, well, don't own anything, right? And I don't know, maybe that's kind of harsh, but it's true because in our consumer-driven society, we actually are encouraged to buy things. It's just that we're goaded on to purchase the wrong things. Uh, and it's exactly that. We're, we're pushed to buy stuff that quickly loses its value instead of directing our money into ownership of different assets that will grow our wealth. And there's what we see around us in media and advertisements and the, the general keeping up with the Joneses vibe that we feel because of social media and peer pressure. This all directs us to pursue the wrong things, buying more stuff. But oftentimes, man, that pursuit leaves us wanting more and it keeps us from the more important work of becoming owners. And specifically, we're talking here about owners of things that gain value. That is what will provide the real financial freedom in our lives. Yeah, yeah, it's really important to own the right things, right? Like some some places that we put our money will cause our net worth to go up over time, while other places that we put our money will cause it to go down. You know, obviously we need to consume some things, right? Like we can't put 100% of our resources towards ownership or we'd starve. <laughs> you let's pare that grocery budget down from <laughs> $500 to zero. Yeah, exactly. And let's just dumpster dive for dinner every night. <laughs> probably, yeah, that's probably not going to be fun. You're not going to be able to do that for long. But knowing the difference between a purchase and an investment is crucial. And that, that might sound stupid. You might say, I know what that is. Like that, That's a simple distinction and you don't have to spell it out for me. But Matt, I've just heard so many folks refer to consumer purchases as an investment. Um, and maybe it's just petty on my part, but owners, I think, think differently. And just that mindset shift is powerful. Developing an owner mindset means that you're prioritizing uh, the long term. And I think it's a really exciting concept for people to grasp onto too, as they're striving towards financial independence. Yeah. And, you know, as we're talking about buying the right stuff, like we were joking about how a bike could or couldn't be an investment. 
but obviously really it's not and so it's, it's still one of the best consumer purchases you can make oh, but yeah. it's not an investment exactly yeah yeah i mean so for the sake of the show you know we define an investment as money that you put towards something that we expect to, to steadily increase in value over a number of years and yeah you know as much as we love our bikes we're not expecting them to inherently gain in value you can't expect to sell your bike three years from now at a profit now you know there might be tremendous value tremendous enjoyment that we receive from our bikes but the object itself uh, isn't going to increase in value and similarly you might hear someone say that new clothes for work like that's 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 also an investment I need to do this in order to, to get ahead to get that promotion nope <laughs> you don't <laughs> that, that is not how it works like you won't be You're able tricking to yourself yeah <laughs> uh, those value uh, the value of those clothes is not going to be higher in a few years. Uh, you're not going to gain more money from selling those clothes in, in three to five, ten years, whatever, than the money that you pay for them right now. Right. Uh, you, you certainly will look nice and you'll look professional, uh, but it is not an investment. So that's one of the big differences between purchases that bring you value compared to actual investments. And we're talking about investments and owning those today on the show. Yeah. So so let's let's talk about the continuum of ownership, Matt, because sometimes saving money can accidentally become the top goal in somebody's life. And I think some of our listeners maybe fall into that camp where right now they are in the phase where they just have to start saving. And you got to start somewhere, right? You got to be able to cut down your expenses, uh, increase the gap so that you can and are able to save more of your money over time. And that is the first thing that you should be doing, by the way, is, is making sure that you're saving money so that that money is available as an emergency fund in a savings or a checking account. But some people, some of our listeners might be so risk averse that they stay in that space right. and they yep. don't make the leap to ownership. And so yeah, you, you might be of the mindset that, well, I'm not spending all my money anymore. I'm saving some and you might be super proud of yourself. And like we said, that's the first step. That's great. It's a start. But saving money is really just the absence of spending. It's, yeah. it's obviously a, a crucial thing that needs to be mastered in the area of personal finance. But just doing that doesn't mean that you're on the all-important path to ownership. And yeah, sure, sure, you've got more cash on hand now. But what are you actually doing with that money? Becoming an owner uh, means thinking beyond just the realm of budgeting and frugality. Matt, I think frugality is a skill. It's a good skill. It's an important skill. Uh, I think if we leave our personal financial knowledge there in the camp of frugality, though, we're missing out on a whole other section, probably the most important section, growing our wealth, becoming owners. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it kind of makes me takes me back to the, the seven money gears that we talk about here on the show. But imagine, and I know this is hard because most folks don't have stick shifts, <laughs> but imagine you've got a stick shift and you're in that first gear and that gets you off the line and you're going... But I mean, what are you going to top out at? Like 10 miles per hour? I mean, you can't go fast in first gear without completely blowing up your engine, right? You're going to just destroy it. But that's, in a way, that's what we're talking about here when it comes to your money. You're going to limit yourself if all you're doing is just saving your money. Like, sure, you'll have maybe a massive emergency fund. <laughs> you have a lot of liquid funds in the bank, but that is not the goal. We want you to gain speed. And that's why you have to shift to the other gears where you are going to be investing your money. And man, there's another problem too when you have all this money just sitting there, uh, maybe in your savings or your checking account, because, you know, in those moments or phases of life where maybe you have your head in the right place, you know, you're not spending and instead you're funneling that money into your savings account. Uh, there's going to be times in your life where that's going to be easier to do than other times, right? Like maybe you just got a new job. Uh, you've got a higher salary. You're busy with work. So maybe you're not spending much money at all. That is a great first step. 
But then there are going to be times where you you might feel a little bored, <laughs> right? And you look and see all this extra accessible cash just sitting there in your bank account, and you're going to be tempted to spend it. You know, uh, why not get a new car? You earned all that money. Maybe it's time to to splurge on a on a Peloton. They seem pretty cool, <laughs> even though you can't run on them <laughs> without <laughs> paying forty dollars. Can't do the, the free run, although maybe they've updated that that software problem by now. I hope so. Uh, but essentially, like this is almost like an argument against savings. We want you to have enough savings in the bank that's liquid that acts as a cushion for you. But beyond that, uh, we do not want you to have that money just sitting there that's accessible. We want you to invest that money. Yeah, having too much savings, it almost burns a hole in your pocket. Yeah. You know, and, and, you, and having uh, some of that money in investments, owning things, kind of ties that money up in a positive way. <laughs> like it's building your net worth, uh, but it's also not readily accessible for you to spend. And that's a good thing. Uh, so yeah, go- going back to the idea uh, of the continuum of ownership, when you buy items, even purchases that bring you a lot of joy and value, those objects drop in value, right? Over time, uh, some <laughs> more quickly than others, yeah. like buying a new car, uh, the initial depreciation hit is rapid, right? And over the first three or four years, your car is going to go down in value by 50% uh, on average. And so, yeah, that means that your net worth is decreasing at the same time. Think about uh, a chart that maybe looks the opposite of the way the S&P 500 has looked over the, <laughs> over the last 10 years. That's what you're doing when you're buying consumer goods uh, that rapidly depreciate. And then, yeah, when you're sitting on your money as cash, you flatlined, right? Your line isn't going down, but it's also not going up. It's really just not doing much of anything. But when you invest your money and you own the right assets, the line on that chart is going to grow. It's going to go up and to the right. And that is the key to wealth building. Ownership is how you get there. Ownership is how you build wealth. And so, Matt, there are three main ways to become an owner in this country. We'll talk about them from easiest to hardest. And let's <laughs> kind of discuss maybe how our listeners should go about the process of becoming an owner. Let's get to that right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. 
Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we are back and we are talking about the key to wealth building. And Joel, let's talk about some of the most effective ways to pursue ownership. Uh, and investing in the market is by far the easiest path to ownership. I love easy paths, Matt. I'm uh, not going to lie. Who doesn't? I don't want to climb Everest. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you got me like an easy little hike, I'm in though. little nice hike path around the lake. Yeah. Like that sounds more attainable. But even still... Preferably not too much <laughs> elevation change. As easy as it is, here's the problem. Nearly 50% of Americans have almost zero exposure to the stock market. This is according to Gallup. And that's a real problem, man. That means that essentially half of Americans aren't building wealth in what is basically the simplest way to do it, buying index funds that allow you to, sh to share in the gains of some of the biggest businesses and industries in our country uh, and even in the entire world. There are, of course, m uh, many reasons that like so many folks aren't investing. I think a, a lack of financial literacy is, is one. And you know, truly not having enough money to be investing is another. Real wages uh, adjusted for inflation actually haven't kept up with the rising costs, which has squeezed the budgets of many Americans. But we also know that there is a big swath of that 50% who could be investing and pursuing ownership, but they've actually decided to put it on the back burner. They don't feel that it's important. And if that's you, we want to convince you to do something different with your money today. Yeah, starting sooner as opposed to later is important. And I think there are a lot of people, if you talk to them now, they, they would say, I wish I'd started earlier uh, because of the compounding returns that you're going to experience uh, the longer you stay invested. So let's talk about that time frame, Matt. Like when you invest with an ownership mentality, you are buying for the long haul. There's a, a difference between owning and speculating. And I think a lot of what we've seen recently is more of the speculating variety, right? right? Short-term ownership isn't really ownership at all. And th that's just not what we're talking about. That's not what you and I are all about. So yeah, could you make a quick buck from buying meme stocks or from some quick investments in crypto? Yeah, it's possible, right? Sure. <laughs> but but owners are less focused on getting rich quick by trying to time the market because that path is fraught with pitfalls. And uh, yeah, you could potentially lose a lot in a short amount of time. 
real owners buy meaningful assets that they plan to hold for years and years and preferably for multiple decades. So yeah, when it comes to being an owner, Matt and I say it's really, really important to be in it for the long haul, to be buying shares in companies basically all the companies, ideally, and holding them for the long haul. Yeah, and like you said, we've seen a pretty dramatic uptick in that speculative type of investing over the last few years, especially over the last maybe 18 months. I think that that rise in investing has a lot to do with (laughs) the ability for folks to be able to trade, buy and sell stocks on their phones, right? With uh, different apps like Robinhood. Yeah, there's pros and cons (laughs) to to the democratization of investing. But at the same time, it makes it too accessible if you can just sit there, pull out your phone, while you're waiting on, on the, the light to turn green or something like that, and all of a sudden you've like, you know, sold some stocks. Just because you had a feeling in your gut. <laughs> <laughs> just because you, somebody texted you and was just like, hey, buy this. You're like, like, okay. That's just what you ate this morning, man. Like, that's not a good reason to trade. <laughs> yeah, but again, this is basically short-term trading of assets where you're hoping to make a quick buck, and that is not our style. A long time ago, back in uh, the 90s, uh, there's this quote by Warren Buffett, and he said that if you aren't willing to own a stock for 10 years, don't even think about owning it for 10 minutes. I love that. The best investors have been able to view their their, their investments as buying a piece of a business, not just buying a, a piece of paper, not just buying a number on the screen, yeah. not just buying a feeling, which oftentimes is what's happening with these day traders now. And so that subtle shift in thinking is important. And uh, it'll it'll fuel your likelihood of you know taking the long-term approach. And that's what we want folks to do. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I think if all you see is numbers on a screen and you don't see yeah, the underlying thing that you own, the asset that you have just purchased, then you're just not going to think about it properly. So let's give a couple of examples maybe of how this plays out, of how becoming an owner would make you rich, whereas instead consuming that money would do the opposite. For, for instance, if you were to have bought Tesla stock instead of buying an actual Tesla Ooh. when uh, they put out the first Model S, when, when that came on the market you would be a multimillionaire, right? Uh, Buying that fancy new electric vehicle nine years ago would have set you back $77,000. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. (laughs) Uh, But if instead you had invested that money, if you had $77,000 randomly on hand and you had decided to, instead of uh, opting for the car, uh, decide to purchase Tesla stock, you'd be sitting on over 11,000 shares of Tesla stock, which is worth now well over $10 million. And uh, that's the power of ownership. I feel like that helps drive the point home, right? That this money can go towards buying things or it can go towards building your wealth. Uh, And by owning shares in an actual company like Tesla that has done so incredibly well, that's obviously kind of an outlier. Uh, But still, even if you just put that money, that $77,000 in the S&P 500, that would be worth a whole heck of a lot more money today too. Yeah. And it's not that that Model S is worth nothing today, but uh, it's not worth $10 million. <laughs> I'll tell you that on a, on a slightly smaller scale, or at least a you know smaller numbers here. If you had purchased Apple stock back instead of buying the first generation iPhone, that $500 would have actually turned into $15,000, which is that's a pretty nice gain right over the years. Not nearly as impressive as uh, Tesla. But, but, let's, but yeah, when you think about it, though, a lot of people could invest 500 bucks, but yeah. nobody's got 77000 Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the, yeah, Tesla example, that's more like kind of cherry picking, I yeah. guess. <laughs> but let's ratchet it up a little bit. If you put $400 into Apple stock instead of buying the first generation uh, of the iPod, you'd have over $150,000 right now. But that click wheel was pretty cool, so... <laughs> no, the first ones didn't have the click oh, wheel. Oh, they didn't have the click yeah. wheel? Okay. Had Once the, I got the click wheel, that was like a worthwhile purchase. They had like the four touch screen kind of buttons at the top. Okay. before they moved to the click wheel. Well, then, click yeah, wheel. definitely oh. investing is better. That one sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't even want to know what the numbers are if you had invested in uh, Apple stock 
laptop instead of buying the original Macintosh back in the uh, mid-80s, back in 84. But we're going to tell you anyway because it's just incredible. You would have over $28 million. I feel like sending that one to my dad because <laughs> I know that they had purchased uh, one of those first Macintoshes back in the day. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if this would make him just depressed or if he'd be like, no, that was a good decision. Like we still <laughs> needed to have uh, learned how to you know, do personal computing back in the day. You learned a lot as a little tiny kid. See, if you and I me, did. If, but If you sent me that email and I had done that, I would have been like, I've made a huge mistake. I'd be able to admit it, right? Like, because <laughs> 28 million that's, yeah. <laughs> right i mean that just goes to show the power of ownership right so yeah when you look at the difference between consumption and investing it can be really really stark and these are obviously examples from some of the most highly valued companies in the world right but like i said even if we opted instead to give the numbers of what you would have earned in the total stock market right you would still have seen just a ridiculous amount of growth on that 400 or 500 dollars that you would have used to buy something that apple created and instead invested in the stock market as a whole but i just love seeing those numbers and the disparity matt between the item that you get when you make a purchase and then what happens with your money yep. when you choose the path of ownership instead it's really astounding and for me it drives the point home just makes me want to be even more conscious of my spending so that I can prioritize ownership even more. Now you want to put your money towards things that appreciate, not things that depreciate. Right. And so that's, yeah, we're talking about investing, you know, we're ownership and investing. Again, it's the simplest path to doing that. Real estate, that's another vehicle where ownership makes a whole lot of sense. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about real estate investing in just a second, but just even owning a home to live in, if your ownership cycle is long enough, can also help you to build wealth over the years. The largest asset, honestly, held by the, the typical American family is, in fact, their home. And of course, uh, we want how to money listeners to consider even going beyond just single family home ownership. Uh, it's definitely a traditional path that works, uh, although it's certainly not the highest performing path right? But even still, it's worth mentioning that buying a home and owning it for decades is still a solid ownership move and the one that Americans seem to, to feel the most comfortable pursuing. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people are just naturally going to gravitate towards that type of ownership over time, right? Just that's a desire of a lot of people is to buy a home, be planted somewhere. We totally get that. Yeah, they want to own their own place. Even though it's not always the best investment, sometimes it's a good purchase for other reasons. And oftentimes it does over time work out to be a decent investment. But oh, yeah. there, there is a big difference between purchasing a home for you to just live in and then buying a home as an investment property, right? The former can be this slow, methodical wealth builder, but it turns out that the way people analyze a home that they want to live in is often completely different than the way they run the numbers on a home that they're buying to generate a return, right? When, when I bought my house, when most people buy a home to live in, they're not thinking about the potential return if they were to rent that out instead. And so, yeah, we are fans of people thinking about their primary home purchase a little more like it were uh, you know, a traditional investment property, but there's more that goes into it than that, right? And uh, we're actually hoping to release an in-depth episode about real estate investing soon, but it really is one of our favorite ways to build wealth through ownership, right? If you're savvy, you can buy a home that makes you money when you buy it, that makes you money every single month uh, as you're getting paid rent by your tenants. And it makes you money as it appreciates over time. Hopefully it saves you on taxes too. Really, this is like the trifecta, right? Uh, owning a, a real estate investment property is I, th I think one of the best ways and a decently accessible way for people to become owners and I think it can be even more fulfilling to a degree, Matt. You know, we, we just you just talked about owning a sliver of a company as opposed to owning a piece of paper or owning a feeling. And when you own an actual property, yeah. uh, it's a lot more tangible too. 
Yeah, that being said, home ownership isn't for everyone, though, right? Like, so first of all, it typically takes a lot of money uh, on hand in order to buy a, a property. Saving up for a solid down payment, ideally 20-25%, is no joke. That takes some time. Yeah, not to mention the additional costs that typically come along for the ride when you own a home. So, yeah, don't listen to us talking about single-family homes and immediately think that we hate renting. Sometimes that makes a lot of sense for folks, because aside from the the additional costs of purchasing and, and owning a home... Just the lifestyle that renting provides you might be more of what you're looking for in your life. When you own your own place, there are a slew of additional responsibilities. Like I wouldn't go as far to say that it's a part-time job, but it definitely takes more time than investing in the stock market. Angel, this makes me think back to like so that stat earlier about half of Americans are invested in the stock market. So obviously that means half of Americans have zero exposure, right? Well, 65% of Americans own their home. Right. And so when you think through all the hurdles and all the the difficulties involved with purchasing a home, it makes you wonder how in the world are there more people who own a property or who have a mortgage on a property than there are who are invested in the stock market. It is so easy to invest in the stock market to get a retirement account going that it just makes you wonder <laughs> why there are not more folks invested in the stock market. It's, it's just the easier way to achieve wealth, right? Owning you know little slivers of different companies at an extremely low cost or, or virtually free with Fidelity's you know zero expense funds. And you kind of touched on how there's like something else that comes along with real estate, how it's like, okay, this is my home. This is my property that I, that I fully own. Yeah. And I, I've got to think that that's a huge part of it, right? Like folks, I Owning think so, your own piece of land, there's something yeah, it's tangible. Yeah. It's tangible. Like it's something that you can see. Uh, it's something you can touch. And for a lot of folks, it's something that they're living in. And so it to them, I, I think it just feels more real. But the stock market is a real thing, even though it's just numbers for most people uh, on their phone or, you know, on a readout on their on their uh, computer screens. Those are numbers you can eventually cash out and spend. Yes, like that <laughs> is real money. And there's, I don't know, we've got to find a way to convince more Americans to start investing in the stock market. And especially, too, when you look at the return on your investment over the past several decades, right? From the 60s and 70s, uh, the market, the stock market has returned uh, numbers much, much higher than single family homes. And so, again... We're not saying that you can't grow your wealth uh, via a single family home, via your house, but the stock market is going to be so much more effective and it's going to require so much less hassle and time and energy. When you're looking at the numbers, it just blows my mind that there are more folks who own a home compared to uh, the number of folks who are invested in the stock market. Yeah, if we're talking about the difficulty level of pursuing investing in the stock market versus pursuing investing in real estate, it's so much easier to start yes. investing in the market. And really, you can kind of put it on autopilot, do dollar cost averaging every single month, toss 20, 30, 50 bucks a month into a Roth IRA. Through You can have it. It's a, it's a no brainer. ACH from your account. <laughs> like it's so simple, uh, yet a whole lot of people just aren't taking advantage of it. And even when you can get started with very little money, which is so much more difficult in the housing market, right? Yeah, yeah. We've got a friend of ours who uh, has been teaching Evie piano lessons. Like, she's an accomplished pianist, and uh, she teaches some other kids as well. But it makes me think of, like, some of the the simple songs you could play on the piano. And it's almost as if 65% of Americans are sitting down to the piano for the first time, and they're saying, all right, I'm going to learn how to play... Uh, what is it for Elise? You know, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <which> Beethoven. <laughs> is, yeah, yeah, which is kind of a classic, but it's also kind of a complicated 
complicated song. More difficult than Chopsticks. Yeah, way more. I was thinking Hot Cross Buns. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like investing in the stock market is the Hot Cross Buns and only half of Americans are doing it. There are more folks uh, jumping straight to the more complicated endeavor when it's a lot easier and, you know, well, I guess the uh, metaphor breaks down, but it would be a lot easier and it would be much, much more gratifying to play Chopsticks. <laughs> yeah. And, and granted, like you said, people buy a house because it provides other benefits. Yeah. Like a place to live and that's understandable, right? If you if you want to plant your roots, there are additional benefits. Yeah, yeah. but you know we're we're in favor of an all all of the above approach yep. <laughs> to ownership. But Matt, there is another path to ownership that we haven't talked about yet that's more difficult than investing in the stock market, but it can also provide higher returns. Let's talk about starting your own business. Let's do it. We talked about this recently with Rachel Richards. There is a huge difference between working as an employee for someone and owning your own business. And uh, there's a lot of routes that you can take to starting your own thing. You know, it doesn't have to kind of be this all or nothing approach. Uh, you can, and I think most people do start a business when they've got steady income uh, coming from somewhere else. You can start it off as the side hustle, and then over time, you kind of kind of rotate that dial and start cranking up the income on that side hustle, and pretty soon, it becomes your main gig. Exactly. But not only can you increase your income by owning your own business, but that business over time becomes worth something if you're able to sell it. Again, you're able to sell it because you own that business. And we're talking about ownership right now. Uh, and the other thing too, you can even start a business for little or no money. We talked about that in episode 247 with Alan Donegan, just some different ways to start your own business without taking on boatloads of debt. Yeah, Matt, my wife's best friend, her dad had a cleaning business Ooh. and he would go over and clean the houses himself. But what he had built up was this book of business, was all these people that used him over the years. And so what he was able to do when he reached retirement was to sell this business. He didn't have to clean houses anymore, but it wasn't just the fact that he got paid money for the houses that he cleaned, but it was that the business he had built up was worth something to someone else. And that is ownership, right? That yeah. is that is a wonderful thing. And yeah, Matt, we also have friends in the personal finance space who started their own sites years ago in an effort to document maybe like a debt payoff journey. And some of them ended up writing such great content consistently that their site started to make legitimate money. And you know, for many of them, it turned from a side hustle into a full-time gig. But yeah, so not only is it awesome from that standpoint, but over time, their site increased in value. And a few uh, have had bigger companies approach them along the way. And some of them have been paid a pretty large chunk of change yeah. <laughs> in order to purchase that bi business, like six figures or seven figures. So yeah, owning that site and building it are the keys to that happy ending. They could have written for another publication, but they risked their time to create their own thing to become an owner. And it paid off in the end. Ownership, when it comes to small businesses, can provide the most potential ROI compared to really any other form of ownership. Totally. And all that to say that Right. If you're going to start blogging or you're going to start a site, there's there's not a guarantee that you're going to be able to have this this massive payday, right? Yeah. And none of those people uh, made huge chunks of money because they didn't do much work and it was pretty yeah. chill. <laughs> it's like they poured a lot into it, and they, they poured a lot into it over a number of years, right? right? It took a long time, and you know, to be an owner means that you're going to have to sacrifice, like you you sacrifice money, uh, your capital, your time, uh, and you know some of the things that your dollars. Uh, could be buying you in the, the here and now. And so as we're, we're making smart money moves, it's almost as if we're in this purgatory waiting period, right? <laughs> Before we're able to like realize any of the, the benefits from the steps that we've taken now 
towards ownership. This is you know one of the reasons that we are such fans of re- investing in real estate because it's almost like this hybrid model that it does cash flow today, uh, but it also appreciates for tomorrow. You have that dual benefit, and that's one of the reasons why we're big fans of real estate. But obviously, when it comes to investing in the stock market, though, like if you're investing and in pumping money into a retirement account, yeah, I mean you're looking at decades, like multiple decades potentially before you're likely going, going to be able to see that that payout before you're going to realize any of those benefits from the sacrifices that you're making today. But you are becoming an owner and shifting yes. into that mindset and knowing that that's what you're doing, not just that you're setting aside money for your future, but you are an owner of business, <laughs> of many different businesses in all likelihood. Uh, and, and I think that mindset shift is important, Matt. And I think what you said about sacrifice is key, right? It does take sacrifice. It takes, uh, it takes long-term thinking in order to become an owner. And yeah, let's talk about risk versus reward too when you decide to become an owner because the length of time that you plan to own something has a massive impact on whether or not you're going to be able to make money, right? Uh, the shorter timeline that you attempt, we talked about this when it comes to investing, the higher risk that you're going to face. We're all about owning and building quality assets for decades. Because yeah, yeah, there's just this risk in all of the ownership categories that we mentioned. As an investor, you can see the market dip for a period of time. You know, if you put money in today, five years from now, it's unlikely, but you could have less money than you started with. And as a real estate owner, you can see the value of that property decline, or you could endure a time where you're not making any money, right? Because vacancy, tenant problems are potential risks as an owner. And every owner, anybody who has been an owner, they know that, right? That there can be some really hard financial and emotional times. There are risks, but they're manageable risks. And the reward at the other end of deciding to opt for ownership, those rewards are potentially huge. Yeah. And, you know, ownership, it's not all rainbows and and butterflies and unicorns. (laughs) (laughs) Although three of my favorite things. (laughs) When you're the owner, you're going to have more responsibility, even kind of going back to, to owning your own home, right? You often have some hard decisions to make. Not owning a home means that you, you can call your landlord for any maintenance requests that pop up. You don't have to fix the leaky faucet yourself. You don't have to replace the, the broken water heater. And you're like, woo, I dodged that bullet. <laughs> and, and that's one of the benefits, right? But you also don't get to realize the wealth building upside that your landlord is experiencing. Uh, even when it comes to owning stocks in an in index fund, there are going to be bear markets and you're going to see your portfolio decline some, which could lead to some tense shoulders. It doesn't have to. Uh, if you know that that's your, your, your tendency, to, to get stressed out, find ways to ignore the news, find ways to uh, turn off that flow of information that's going to cause you to stress out. But at the same time, you're going to need to remind yourself that this is all a part of being an owner. We feel that the financial benefit is going to be well worth any uh, small amount of stress that is most likely manageable. Yeah, Matt, one of the things you said at the beginning of, of the episode, you said, if you want to stay forward, don't own anything. And I think I think that's true. And I think it is, uh, you, you might be able to be secure, but you're never going to be able to build wealth if you don't ever choose to become an owner, if you only choose to be a, a frugalite and a saver. And that's we're right. all about frugality and we're all about saving money, but ownership is the next step because wealth flows to owners. And at How to Money, you know, we're, we're all about building that wealth slowly but surely over time. Spending less is really, really important to growing the gap and being able to save more of your money. That's an important first step. Of course, you don't get rich by paying interest to the credit card companies every single month, but you also don't grow wealth by keeping your money in a savings account either. So becoming an owner is the next logical step, and it's the most important step to take. And it's a step that none of us can afford not to take. 
Yeah, and so if you're listening and you're already uh, investing your money, well, congrats, because that means you are an owner of something. We're not sure what. And you should pat yourself on the back, yeah. because like li- I think, Matt, part of what we're talking about here is not just encouraging people to you know, become owners, because there are some of our listeners who haven't taken that step yet, and we're saying, yeah, it's time. But also for the folks that have started doing some of these positive steps, thinking of yourself as an owner yeah. is important too. Yeah, you are doing the right thing. Yeah. But at the same time, it's worth considering how you can pursue other paths of ownership in your life. And as, as someone who is already on the path to, to financial independence, if you own something, well, having that ownership mindset can propel you to, to, to reach even bigger financial and, and bigger wealth building goals. Um, because when you can you know, see yourself as an owner and you realize the financial benefits that it creates, it's just one of those things that you can't unsee. It truly is paradigm shifting. It's a game changer for the way that you view and handle money moving forward. And it's not, we're not trying to add a, undue stress in your life, right? Like if it's time to <laughs> go to the grocery store and buy some groceries, all right, that's something that you have to do. But at the same time, realize that, I don't know, maybe some other purchases that are more optional. Frivolous. Uh, they're, they're maybe <laughs> a little more frivolous or they're there's something that could provide you maybe some value now, or maybe it's just fun. Realize that you're doing that at an expense to your future self. We don't want all of your spending now to hamstring your future self, uh, even though it's so difficult for us to picture ourselves in the future. Realize that what you're doing today is going to affect tomorrow's bottom line. Yeah. So if you're not there yet, we encourage you to, you know, look at your finances and see, have I saved enough in order to start pursuing ownership? Or do I need to start saving more so I can get there more quickly? And if you've already started investing, then think of yourself as an owner. And doing that, I think will help you take your pursuits more seriously. It's a game changer for how you think about where your money's going. But that's enough talk about ownership, Matt, because you know every once in a while, people do need to buy their groceries. They do need to buy their delicious craft beer. Let's talk about the beer that, that we had on today's episode. This one is called Money Blend. It's by a American Solera. Uh, it's an oak-aged farmhouse ale. What was your take on this beer, man? Yeah, this is Money Blend batch number two. Oh. And, you know, it says it's aged in oak tanks, but we know what they mean. They're talking about oak fooders. Yeah. And so basically they look like, like everyone's seen pictures of wine barrels kind of stacked on their sides or even barrels of whiskey. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever been on like the bourbon trail, but... Not yet, sadly. I haven't. Dude, we need to do a, a how to money trip. Maybe Let's go. Take the wise up there as well. That'd be a lot of fun. But imagine one of those barrels not turned on its side, but like standing on its end, but then like, I don't know, 10 times bigger. <laughs> That's what a <laughs> fooder least. is. And yeah, this is a farmhouse style aged in one of those giant oak fooders or tanks. And man, this was a delicious farmhouse beer. So it had a little bit of kind of like that farmhouse funk going on. It also had a nice touch of acidity. Uh, but before we even started recording, you and I both, uh, <laughs> we both made a comment and there is undoubtedly uh, a flavor profile of honey going yeah. on with this beer, right? A little bit of that honey sweetness. Uh, I, I agree. And it was also like, I would say deliciously mellow. Like, it, Oh yeah. It, you know, well, honey I, does that. It almost has like yeah. this mead like quality where it just makes you want to just relax. And so uh, does how like the beer interacts with the back oak. A little bit. It, it does something similar in just giving it kind of like a, a chill, rustic, but also like a, a buttoned up vibe. Like, oh. I, I don't know. It's just uh, the, the beer. Um, chill, rustic, buttoned up. It's like <laughs> uh, country fancy. <laughs> exactly. That's what it's, I mean. That's a perfect way to describe this beer. Country fancy. So uh, instead of calling them farmhouse sales, it's like, oh, that, that's a nice country fancy. <laughs> farmhouse fancy. Exactly. That's what I'm going to say about this beer. So yeah, b- big thanks to James for sending this one our way. Oh, seriously. Uh, the yeah. name, naming convention was perfect for this beer. Money and blend. Batch number two. 
Yeah, it was delicious. Uh, so yeah, we appreciate you sending us uh, one of the best local beers where you live. Yeah, it's really tasty. Yeah, thank you, James. And honestly, this is just perfectly up our alley. So great job picking one specifically for Joel and I. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. For folks that want the show notes and links to anything that we mentioned on today's episode, you could find those up on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, but maybe you have not left us a review, we would be incredibly grateful if you were to head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to your shows and leave us a nice five-star review. And so many folks have been doing this and specifically they've been writing in how the show has helped them to either find more money or save more money or earn more money. Uh, and hopefully after this episode, invest more of their money. And so we would love it if you did something similar. And that just helps folks out there to know what they're getting into. And that way, if they're like, oh yeah, I don't want to do any of those things with my money. <laughs> they can, I guess they can skip the show. But we all know that there are a lot of folks out there who, who need this advice. So uh, thanks in advance for that. Joel, is that it? That's it, man. All right, man. So until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.